0: So a little over 13 years ago, uh, I met my wife. And at the time, I didn't, yeah, I'm super stoked about that. Um, at the time, I didn't know that she was going to be my wife, but, but uh, from the time that I met her, I knew that I wanted to be, she's somebody who I wanted to get to know better. And the more time we spent together, the more that that was confirmed. And after a couple of months, I decided that uh, it, was, it was time for me to make the first move and kind of take some action, and so it was on Valentine's Day, and I, I didn't want to put myself out there too far, and so I decided to make the first move anonymously, and I found out where she lived, and I left a Valentine's Day card and a rose on her car, and I didn't sign the card, I don't remember exactly what the card said, something along the lines of I think you're awesome, and I'd like to spend more time with you, and, and uh, so that evening, hanging out a bunch of us who were single on Valentine's Day. Um, we went to the movies and went out to dinner and, and she asked me, she was like, hey, did you leave this on my, my car? Uh, and eventually I told her yes, it, it was me. And I was glad that she was glad that it was me. Um, and so uh, we we started to go out. I took her on our first date, we went up to Squaw Valley, we went ice skating and she fell and I laughed at her. She still reminds me of that. She still tells that story. Um, but obviously, it turned out pretty well. So, uh, a little little while after that, I met with her dad for breakfast. First time I had ever met him, and we were basically there to talk about my intentions with Melissa. And um, we had a great we had a great talk. I let you know let him know, and, and he um, let let me know also that the the reason for dating is to pursue marriage. And I told him that that was my intention. And so, you know. He, Fast forward about uh, about six more months, seven more months or so, and uh, I decided, okay, it's time to take action again. I want to spend the rest of my life with this girl. And so while she was traveling on business, I went and I bought a ring. And then when she got back, I took her out and, and asked her to marry me. She said yes. Well, actually, what she said was, I want to. <laughs> so, um, and then four and a half months later or so, we got married. And so from day one, which I think was sometime mid-December of 2004 until today, which would be day 4,769, there have been um, a few different times when I had to do more than just have good intentions, and I had to do more than just have strong opinions. Uh, I had to take action, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning, the gospel leads us to action. When it comes to, when it comes to the things that we, um, we believe, when it comes to the things that we hold strong opinions about, sometimes just having good intentions and just having those strong opinions is, is not enough. It doesn't get anything done. And the examples that we have from Scripture are that our faith should be lived out in action. So I'd like this morning to be pretty interactive, if that's okay. Um, I'm going to ask a few questions. In fact, I even am going to put my uh, number on the board. So if you have any questions you want to text in or after today or whatever, feel free to do that. Um, If I'm not clear about something, shoot me a text, and I'll just keep this guy up here. And if there's anything that's appropriate for me to answer during the sermon, I'll go ahead and do that. Um, And also, I think that... um, The back and forth and everyone's involvement is what this church is all about, and so I want to try to do a little bit of that this morning with us together. So the first question I have for everyone is, what is your thought process like? What things do you take into account when you're deciding whether to take action or to take a risk? By the way, I'm going to kind of use those interchangeably this morning, action and risk taking. what are the things that go into your thought processes? Truthfulness, okay? God's will. That's a good one. Okay, Where, how's it going to affect me? How's it going to affect my family? What's the cost? Yep. What's the worst-case scenario? All right. Yeah. Okay, Where, what's the, where's the source coming from? Anything else you can think of? Integrity. Uh-huh. Do I have all the information? Very good. Um would my wife do? Nice. <laughs> yes, Susie. Will this please God? Of course. And um, so, obviously, a lot of great answers. I think uh, one of the other things that uh, not necessarily always comes to mind, but I'm, I'm trying to train myself to, to think about this as well, is what's the cost of not taking action? And, um, and that one seems to eclipse a lot of the other things, especially the selfishly motivated ones. When I talk about cost or how much time is this gonna take or or things like that, and then I'm confronted with this idea of what if I don't do anything? And sometimes the answer to that question is what ultimately takes me from having good intentions to to taking action. So um, what about, what do you think it means to you to take a risk? Maybe that's a little bit of an unclear question, but, but what is what comes to your mind when you think of risk-taking? Okay, take, something that takes you out of your comfort zone? It's scary. I'm sorry? Am I going to fail? Absolutely. Possibility of loss? What's that? You don't know the It's un, unknown. Yeah. Yep. For every action, there's a reaction. Okay. Um... I think that we're going we're gonna to look at a few different verses this morning. The first place that we're going to go is to a very familiar chapter uh, of James. And uh, the verses will be uh, up here behind me, but if you have a Bible, certainly open it up to James chapter 2, uh, starting in verse number 14. This is what James says. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But you... Do do want to know, oh, foolish man, that faith without works is dead. That, that verse there is, is where I want to camp out for a little bit. Um, how is it that somebody looking at your life would know your faith? By what you show. Right? They would see you bringing the gospel into action. People of all different faiths all around the world are known for their actions, some good, some bad. And as Christians, we're called to be people of action. Our faith should lead us to action because that's how the world is going to know more about our Savior. That's how the world is going to understand our faith. When God wanted us to um, understand more about him, he gave us his word. He gave us the Bible. He gave us the word of God, his son, living out the character and the person of God for, for the world to see. And it wasn't just that people had strong opinions or strong intentions, but it's that people took risks along the way. The biggest risk-taker of them all, Jesus Christ, humbled himself, took the form of a child, of a baby, and lived on this earth that he created. We talked about that when, when Santino was preaching on Christmas, um, that what a humbling thing for the God of the universe to step into the world that he created huge risk involved in that. He, he didn't have an easy life. And for the most part, the people that followed him throughout scripture didn't have easy lives either. Um, the life of Paul is one that we're going to talk a fair amount about this morning. But um, I've, I came across a few quotes that I want to share. And um, the first one, and, and some of these may, you know, you, you may or may not agree with them. These aren't out of the Bible. These are just other, other men, so feel free to disagree. Don't disagree with that. You can disagree with me, right? So it says, uh, we judge ourselves by our intentions and others by their behavior. That's what Stephen Covey says. Yeah. Um, in his article, Intent versus Action, uh, we are nothing but what we do, a guy named Von Grenier points out that we see everything through the lens of what we are trying to do and not through the lens of what we actually did. Yeah. Uh, We see, we know our thoughts. And so a lot of times, and and it can go both ways. We can have an overinflated opinion of ourselves. We can also have an unfairly diminished opinion of ourselves. We compare our behind the scenes to everybody else's highlight reel. We show the world what we want the world to see. And we see of the rest of the world what they want us to see. Think about social media. You know, that's, that's a place that is just rampant with people having very strong opinions and maybe good intentions. But if you're of the opinion that posting something on social media or clicking on something is the same as taking action, you're sadly mistaken. It doesn't do anything. It, 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 there's very little risk involved, right? It's a lot different than if you actually put that into, into action or have a face-to-face conversation with somebody. The last quote that I like comes from a pastor named Andy Stanley. He says that direction, not intention, determines your destination. It's from a book called The Principles of the Path. It's a really, really good book. If you haven't ever read it, you should. Um, A guy named Len Schlesinger, who's the president of Babson College, he wrote a book called Action Trumps Everything. And in it... um, Basically, the idea that he gets across is that there needs to be an appropriate balance between how much thinking we do and how much doing we do. At some point, all that thinking needs to be led to action. It's easy to overestimate the effect of strong opinions and intentions and underestimate the effect of taking action. Even small actions, especially over time, make a great impact. Some of us in this room are on the side of the equation where we need to step up more. We need to turn our faith into action. We need to live out our faith. A lot of us in this room, a lot of you in this room, are, are people that, as we've gotten to know each other, um, you've taken a lot of amazing actions. The way that you serve, the way that you've raised families, the way that you care for each other, the way that you meet needs, it's huge. And it may not seem huge because you know, what, what the response of some of you has been is you've been thanked. It's like, well, I didn't really do anything special. I just did, you know, I just did very little things. Little things over a lifetime make a huge difference. I mean, look at um, look at the lives of some people that you respect. For me, the one of the most clear pictures of that is my grandparents. They passed away a couple of years ago in their 90s. And what I remember about them is... It's not any one huge defining moment. They weren't like abolitionists or anything like that. They were, they were just faithful Christians who, every time we were over there, they were sharing something with somebody. Every time we spent together, they, would, you know, they were very devoted to the Word of God. They'd always, we'd always do devotions in the morning. We'd always pray together. They'd always, every time we'd talk, they would talk about how they, they pray for us. They prayed for their grandkids, their great-grandkids, their, their children, and they made a huge, a huge impact on my life and on the life of a lot of people that came into contact with them. And it's not because they did any one big thing, but it's that they were very consistent about what they did do. That they lived out their faith in very practical ways. And so that's our challenge going, going forward here. Is that the things that we say we believe, the world needs to see evidence of that. The world should see evidence of that. And for many of you in this room, the world does see evidence of that. And it's a privilege to be a part of a church family with you because it's just amazing to see how God works and teaches all of us through the actions of people who are here. So here's a question. What keeps us from taking action? We talked a little bit before about questions that we ask, deciding whether we're going to take a risk. But what is it that keeps us inactive? Fear. Reservations, what else? Okay, let's place focus. Laziness? Absolutely. I think a lot of things, You know, as, as I thought of different things, um, I think fear is at the root of a lot of it. Uh, I also think that we believe a lot of lies about um, I'm not good enough, I don't have the skills required, I don't have the education required, I'm not eloquent. I'm not whatever. I think every time I get in front of a group and, and talk, I, 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 this thought always comes through my mind and it says, it's, it's foolish for you to get in front of a, a room full of people where, where probably most of the people in this room have been walking with the Lord longer than I've been alive. You know that Where I don't have the education, I don't have the life experience that a lot of people do, and that is... A, a lie, to, to say those things and to say, well, if, because those are true I don't have anything to offer I think a lot of us here believe lies like that think, well, I'm not, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough I'm not the right person if I don't do it, somebody else will and it'll be just as good or better if you're not doing it then the part of the body that, that you are is inactive the, the, our body is not as strong as it could be if everybody was taking action and that's what, um, that's what, as we leave here today, um, that's one of the things that I want to, to leave with, is to say, where, what is the part of this body that you are supposed to be filling, and, and are you doing it? And, and, and hear me asking you to, to please step up. We need you. For those of you who are serving, it's amazing to see, again, to see God work through this body. And for, the, for those of you who aren't, we're missing you. And you're missing out on what you could be what you could be providing and and living out your faith. Do you ever set artificial timelines for things? You say, okay, I'll start this after. How many of you do that? Because I do that. You say, I'm going to start doing this after the holiday season. How many of you put something off during the holiday season and you still haven't done it? The holiday season's over, by the way. You know, so. Valentine's Day is coming up, that's right. Yeah, well, and then you got Easter, so, you know. Um, yeah, Halloween. Yeah, the 4th of July. And, and eventually, um, eventually, those timelines tend to come and go. You know, you think, okay, I'm, uh, I'm too young. When I, when I graduate from high school, when I graduate from college, when I get married after I have kids, once we buy a house, once we do this, then, I mean, and, and we set those timelines, and... I think that if, if, if all of us are waiting to do anything until we feel completely prepared, then, then I don't think that we're really relying on the strength of God to do it. We, we, we should never feel completely prepared to do anything. No matter how many times we do it, we should still tremble at the idea that God would use us. And if we feel too arrogant, um, sometimes things end up getting done for the wrong reasons. So it's important for us not just to set artificial timelines and say, when this comes or goes, then I'll do this. But but to actually say, okay, what can I do today to take the first step? It may be a small step, but taking the first step is very important. Paul, like I mentioned, we're going to talk a lot about Paul. He prays a lot for boldness. If you ever noticed that throughout the New Testament, in a lot of his letters that he wrote and a lot of his prayers, he asks for people to pray for boldness. He prays for boldness for other people. He prays for himself for boldness. And If I look into the Bible and I think, who's somebody that needs more boldness? I don't necessarily think Paul. Like, he has a lot of boldness. And that gets me thinking, well, maybe maybe the reason he has so much boldness is because he's so faithful to pray for so much boldness. Maybe God's just answering his prayer and he's making him bold. And I think, when was the last time I prayed for boldness? I think it it should be something that we pray for regularly. But to be honest, it's not. It, the, I can't remember the last time that I just sat down and said, God, give me boldness. Like, give me strength, give me boldness. We pray for all kinds of things. But in, uh, in his second letter to Timothy, um, Paul writes this. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me, in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. That's that's where he starts off in this. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Later on, in verse 10, he says this, our Savior Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That is the gospel. That we were dead and now we're alive. We were blind and now we see. To, To the world around us, they may... They may understand a lot of things about us, and a lot of it may have nothing whatsoever to do about the gospel. What are the things that we want people to understand about us? What are the things that people should understand about our faith? It's not how many good deeds we do, although our good deeds definitely speak of our faith. It's not how smart we are. It's not how much sense our religion means, because to be perfectly honest, it's foolishness, and we know it. But that's the beauty of it. It's, it's such a foolish message, but it's just so beautiful that, that Christ, God himself, came to earth, he abolished death, and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The risk of not taking action is that people don't understand that. That's what people need to understand when they look at our lives. When we started this church... We started this church with a mission to be inclusive of the, of the whole body, to intentionalize relationships. And if you're here, you're probably here for some reason like that, is that you've, you were missing out on, on some element of relationship, maybe in church, maybe just in life. And so I'm asking you now, what are you doing differently in this church that you didn't do somewhere else? And, and, and have those relationships been happening? Have you not gotten to the point where you're ready to take action and make yourself vulnerable yet? Maybe it's because you never had a place to serve before, and you thought, here's a new church that's mobile. They certainly have needs, and God knows we do. And maybe, maybe taking action for you means that you start serving somewhere. Maybe taking action means for you that you get plugged into a community group. Like Santina said, we're just starting a new uh, curriculum in a couple of weeks in the Gospel of John. That'd be a great place for you to build some relationships, to strengthen your relationship with God. It's a good, tangible action that you can take. So a church in Scripture is called a family, and it's called a body. We've talked already this morning about how important it is that every part of the body— is active. And there's so many great gifts that are represented in this room. Again, it's a pleasure to be a part of this body with you all and to see God working through you all. And we're called to take those actions and those risks for the sake of the gospel, not for any other reason. And there couldn't be a better reason. Because we believe that this is true, that the gospel is true, and that it's the power of God that changes lives. It's nothing else. It's nothing that we do. It's nothing that we say. It's nothing, nobody that we convince. It's no logic. But it's the, the power of the gospel, the simple truth of who Jesus Christ is. So Paul, again, he was called to live an extraordinary life. This morning, actually, with my girls, we we sit up. Uh, sometimes first thing in the morning, we'll, we'll turn on like some Bible stories on, on uh, YouTube or something. We don't have TV channels, so we just watch YouTube videos and stuff like that. And so this morning, we always like to kind of a character in the Bible, and we'll watch a, a couple of little videos about their life. And this morning, we watched uh, Saul and, and his transition to Paul. And, and this is a guy who definitely, again, didn't seem to lack passion. He didn't seem to lack boldness. He was bold for the wrong things more than anybody, and he was bold for the right things just about more than anybody. And in 2 um, he, uh, he outlines some of the things that, uh, that he, that he uh, went through. And I'm just going to read this. This is the last verse where we're going to kind of camp. But let me, let me read this to you. So he says, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they of the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brothers, in weakness and toil, in sleeplessness often, hunger and thirst, fasting. In cold and nakedness, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn within? If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. He did a lot of things. A lot of things that he could brag about. A lot of things that would set him... Um, set him apart from a lot of his peers. Things that we couldn't imagine that he was willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel. And yet, in verse 30, he says, if I must boast, I'll boast in the things which concern my infirmity. Why is that important? I think that it's important because this is the justification for our risk-taking. The things that concern his infirmity means his depravity and God's divinity that his sinfulness and the character of God, when those two things collide, it warrants us to take some risks. It warrants us to take action. That's a beautiful picture that, that of all these things that Paul says, he says, if I must boast, I'll boast in the things which concern my infirmity. What i will boast in the one who wants my risk-taking. All of these things would be for nothing if it weren't for the person of Jesus Christ. And I'm willing, there's nothing I'm not willing to do to get that message of the gospel across to people. A few years ago, um, I I preached a sermon for another church, uh, and I called it Calculated Risk. And the idea wasn't necessarily what risks we should take, it was more along the lines of how we calculate them. What are the things, or like, are we making appropriate calculations? That's kind of where we started today as well, is how do we decide what things we're willing to do or what we're not? Um, opportunity cost is a, is a term that I love because I, I like business. And opportunity cost is basically the idea that action will only happen when the cost of staying the same exceeds the cost of change. And so um, here's another little quote from a guy named Bill Hybels. He's a senior pastor at Willow Creek Church in South Barrington, Illinois. He says, um, basically, very simply, that leaders move people from here to there. That, and when I say leaders, I I don't mean just the people that stand up in front of a church, or just the people that have a TV show, or just the people that are in charge. I mean, if you are a Christian, you're called to lead the people around you, toward Christ. And so moving people from here to there is what leaders do. An article that I read about, about this quote, first step play is not to make there sound phenomenal. The first play is to make here sound horrific and intolerable. We must build a strong case for why we cannot stay put and why that will be disastrous. That's the what if I don't take action question. What's so bad about here? And what won't happen if I don't take action? And so, here's some things that I thought about here that would warrant us to want to go there. Here, those who can't stand up for themselves are abused and written off. Here, 20.9 million people worldwide are trafficked in the sex trade and modern-day slavery. Here, the average age of entry into prostitution is 13. Here, 19% of pregnancies nationwide and in abortion. Here, suicide has become the leading cause of in America. Here, our culture self-medicates and attempts to drown their sorrows. Here, we're surrounded by people who silently suffer and feel alone. Here, life can seem meaningless and without purpose. Here, people are held captive by the very things they do for escape. Here, people perish not knowing the Savior. That's why we want to get to there. Getting to there means taking action. We want people to understand the hope of who Jesus Christ is. And the only way that they're going to understand that is if the church, God's chosen vessel, takes action and does it. We're called to amazing things. Again, not huge things necessarily. Maybe, maybe huge things. Don't shy away from a huge challenge if you're called to do it, but don't shy away from a small challenge because you think that it's too insignificant. When we started Imago Day, one of the first questions that Melissa and I had for Santino when we had um, him and Jennifer over, was about his preaching. And, you know, how do you, how do you what's your preaching style? How do you preach? And what, what is your motivation as you preach? And his answer was along the lines of, every time, I, every time I get up to preach, I preach like people's lives depend on it. That's pretty much right. And, and that's a great reason to preach. That's about the best reason to preach. There's a lot of things that we could hope to accomplish in starting a church. There's a lot of um, selfish motivations even that can go into something as, as uh, innocent sounding as starting a church. But the reason why this church exists is because lives depend on it. That people's eternities depend on it. We have a hope that goes so far beyond this life and all of the pain that's here that we want the world to know about. All throughout the New Testament, Christians are called citizens of heaven. And that's a term that I kind of dug into a little bit when I was getting ready for today. And I I actually just heard somebody, and I can't remember who it was, I actually texted Santino and said, hey, did you talk about citizens of heaven last week? Because somebody made this, tied the idea of citizenship to heaven and the ancient citizenship to Rome. And what they basically said, was that as Christians, our hope isn't just, we're not called citizens of heaven just because someday we get to go to heaven. Like, that's that's amazing. That's pretty rad. But we're not, that's not why we're called citizens of heaven, for something that's going to happen someday in the future. The citizens of Rome of the day, their hope was not that someday they would get to go back to Rome. They were called citizens of Rome, and their citizenship was so important because wherever they went, they took the culture of Rome with them. They, took the, they basically spread the culture, they spread the citizenship around the known world. And as citizens of heaven, we're called to do the same thing. It's not that someday we're going to go to heaven and that's it. It's that starting today, starting in the first conversation that you have when you leave here, starting in the first decision that you make before tonight is over, um, is that we're called to take this culture of Christianity to the world. Anywhere that we go, we bring light into darkness. Anywhere that we go, we bring hope to the hopeless. It's just, that is, that is what warrants our risk-taking. That is what warrants our taking action. The cost of not taking action is people's lives. It's people's souls. And that's why Jesus Christ was all about saving people's souls. He wasn't about setting up a kingdom... On earth, he was hated among men. And there's times when we may be hated too. Or at least we may be scoffed at a little bit for what we believe. But the cost of not taking action is significant. So as we, as we close this morning, um, I'd like to ask everybody to, to put some prayer to that. First of all, pray for boldness. That you, you may already know what it is that you're supposed to do. You may just not have done it yet. I believe very strongly that we need to be reminded a lot more than we need to be taught. We, a lot of times, know what it is that that God's put us on this earth for. We know why he's brought certain people into our lives. We know why we have the job that we have, live in the neighborhood that we do, and maybe we just haven't gotten the courage to start living out that purpose in that situation. So pray about that. If you don't know what it is, ask God to show you what it is, because I promise you have something there's something there that God has planned for you to do. This word says it. The other thing, find somebody and encourage them. Encourage these, these actions and these good works in their lives. There's a lot of people, and not that people do it for the fakes, but sometimes when you don't feel like anything is acknowledged, it makes it hard to continue, and we're supposed to spur each other on to good works. And so when you see somebody taking a risk, taking action, stepping out of their comfort zone, acknowledge it. Thank them for it. Thank God for them. And then lastly, if there's something right here in this local body um, where you have a a need, an opportunity for somebody else to take action in your life, please let us know about it. Those connection cards that we passed out earlier, the website, text me. I'll keep forgetting to put the number back up there. But if if you have a need... There's somebody in this body that can step up and, and, and help you with that. It would be a privilege to do that. It would be a, a great way for us to continue to take action together for the gospel's sake. So I'm going to close this in prayer. Leah's going to come up and we're going to, we're going to sing one more song together, which I love the songs this morning. I told her what I was talking about and I think she nailed it as far as, you know, the, the, the song selection, especially this last one. Can't wait. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for a beautiful day. Thank you that the sun is shining outside. Thank you that you have uh, you've given us a place to worship together, a place to hear your word. I pray that you would spur us on, that you would give us boldness, that you would give us uh, faith, God, to trust you, that we should be taking action, taking risks in our lives. God, the cost of not taking action is huge. And so be with us as we leave this place. Thank you again for everyone and for what a pleasure it is to be a part of this church family. We ask it now for your son's sake. Amen.